Ever wondered how nutrition influences mood swings and hormonal health? Join us today as we speak with Emily Zorn, a registered dietitian and health coach based in Palo Alto, California, who sheds light on this important topic and provides valuable insights. So welcome, Emily Zorn, to my podcast. I'm so happy and honored to have you here. Thank uh, you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So would you like to introduce yourself for my audience because they might not know you? Definitely. Yes. So hello, everyone listening. My name is Emily Zorn, and I am a registered dietitian and health coach, and I'm based in California in the U.S., and basically what I like helping people do is clear up all of the noise that they may hear from the internet, from social media, from their friends, from their family about what you should be doing nutritionally. And I like to help people take a scientific approach and say, you know what, this is what actually works. And this is what's going to work for you. And it's going to be very yeah. different than your sister or your mom or your best Absolutely. friend. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that is my goal to just clear things up for people. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, help them get on this path where they know that they're eating in a way that's healthy and they don't have to stress about it anymore. Because I know a lot of people have a lot of stress around mm -hmm. what am I eating? Am I eating too much? Is it right for me? So we can yeah. clear that up. That clears up a lot of mind space for other things. So that is my ultimate goal. Yeah, totally agree. And I really admire your work. Thank you. Thank so you. So can you just tell us what brought you where you are? So what you're doing is very important and I think like also kind of unique because it's important to to realize that there is not one formula that works for everyone and um, and there are just few people like you who really tailor those kind of instructions so what, what brought you there? Sure so to become a dietitian, I just knew I wanted to do that because I loved food. I thought it was interesting. I had a passion for food. Um, but then once I started studying it in school, I learned that, you know, helping people get to a place where it's personalized and they feel good about what they're eating, it's more than just the food and the knowledge. Mm -hmm. There's this whole piece of taking it from the knowing to the doing. So I started my, after graduating, I started my career as a sports dietitian. So mm. sports are huge here in the U.S. Mm. And so at the collegiate level at colleges and universities, I would go and work one-on-one -on -one with athletes. And that was fun. And it was really mm. intense and a lot of time commitment. But mm. I decided three years ago that I didn't want to work with athletes, only mm. athletes anymore. I want to work with people who remind me of myself, honestly, who used to just be mm. lost and heard all of these different things about what I should be doing, but didn't know the right path for me nutritionally. So that's when I started my business and what I do today. So mm. it's all virtual, all of the coaching I do. So mm. a lot of local clients, but also can meet with people anywhere and it's been a lot of learning and growing over the past three years to get where I am today. 
but I really just decided that, yeah, there weren't enough people out there saying that, Hey, you don't have to do the keto diet. You don't have to do intermittent fasting, but if either of those things work for you, that's okay. And let's do it in a healthy way. Exactly. A little more balanced. So yeah. Yeah. What brought me where I am today is, um, just my own learning, what I've done throughout the years mm-hmm. and wanting to share that with other people. Wonderful. So you just mentioned the keto diet and this kind of things that's somehow in social media get kind of viral and everyone start doing everything. So would you like to share with us what are three myths about nutrition that are out there? And yeah. Sure. Yes. So I was trying to narrow it down to just three, but these are the three that I think are um, are most important. So the first myth is that there's been a lot of information out there that both gluten and dairy are mm-hmm. inflammatory and that everyone should cut it out. Like gluten's bad for you, dairy's bad for you. And that's just not true. For some people, they can't tolerate gluten. Some people can't tolerate dairy. And in those cases, it is inflammatory. But the whole idea that to be healthy, we need to cut out all of these different foods for the rest of our lives. It's not sustainable. And it's also just not true. Like these things, again, this is where personalization come in. Some people do not feel good when they eat gluten and they shouldn't. And that's fine. But that doesn't mean that that's the same for everyone. So mm-hmm. that would be myth number one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my second. Yeah. <laughs> the second myth is about caffeine, actually, because mm. it used to be widely thought that, oh, if I drink coffee or if I have tea, something with caffeine, that it's going to dehydrate me for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And more recent research has come out showing that caffeine, if you have it on a regular basis, it actually doesn't dehydrate you. So mm. I'm not saying that you should only drink coffee and not drink yeah. any water, still good to balance it out. But I think a lot of people were feeling guilty about drinking coffee, drinking yeah. tea, that oh, it's a bad thing that I shouldn't be doing it. But your body adapts and adjusts. And if it knows Mm -hmm. it's getting caffeine every day, it's not going to be dehydrated from it anymore. So that is myth number two. And then myth number three is around supplements. So the supplement industry Mm -hmm. is enormous. The myth is that you have to spend a lot of money on supplements to be healthy, where in reality, what's much more powerful is having a healthy diet. And Mm -hmm. even if you spend a thousand dollars a month on supplements, if you don't have a good diet to base it off of, they're not going to do anything for you. Supplements just add that extra 5% on top of an already healthy diet. So if I would recommend for people, if you're spending a ton of money on 20 different supplements, narrow it down just to the ones that are really effective and that will be you know different for every person mm-hmm. and that would be a conversation with your doctor or a dietitian but narrow it down to the essential ones and spend that money that you're saving on good food instead because that's yeah. going to be much more powerful than any supplement yeah so yeah those those are the three myths i could keep going yeah. forever but i'll, I'll <laughs> stick to those yeah. um for today yeah, that's wonderful. 
and and I can really feel like my body, like during my luteal phase, before getting my menstrual cycle, I really need carbohydrate and gluten. And it just makes me feel better. If I don't eat that, then I start feeling some weirdness in my stomach and I become a little crampy. It's just good for me. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> you're yeah. so welcome. And yeah. I love what you're sharing about, hey, when I eat carbohydrates or gluten during my luteal phase, I feel good. And I yeah. don't feel good if I don't. There's so much power in being able to recognize in your body when you do feel good based on eating certain foods. And that's something yeah. I really encourage for people is pay attention to that. Don't listen to what someone on the internet said that you have to eat these specific foods and this exact amount to be healthy. Yeah. Your body's very smart. And it, yeah. if you know how to read it and how to listen to it, it can send you guideposts of what to eat during different times. So yeah, I, yeah. I really, really like that idea and encourage people to listen to your body and when do you feel best and what did you eat? There's going to be a connection there. Wonderful. So how does nutrition, because now we spoke about the luteal phase, like how does nutrition play a role in managing symptoms and supporting overall health during um, the menstrual cycle, for example? Yeah, yeah, really good question. So Throughout the whole menstrual cycle, hormones are involved, right? Yeah. And for the body to work properly, to create the hormones it needs, to have all the hormones in balance, a balanced diet is super important. So mm -hmm. you're going to hear me say this a bunch throughout this podcast, but in general, just a balanced diet with fruit, vegetables, lean proteins, and whole grains for most people, right? All of those things. Yeah um, is going to give your body all the nutrients it needs to have a good menstrual cycle, to produce the hormones it needs mm. to have everything be in balance. So that's very general, right? It just yeah. sounds like, okay, a healthy diet, but yeah. to get a little more specific, um, specific foods that really do help a lot when it comes to regulating blood sugar and insulin levels, which insulin is a hormone so that is part of the part of the menstrual cycle is eating a lot of foods with high fiber so mm. fiber is you know it's found in a lot of the foods i just mentioned fruits and vegetables whole mm. grains nuts beans seeds all of those things the healthy foods high in fiber and that's going to help keep your blood sugar stable which is going to help regulate the menstrual cycle so mm. that's really important um also, I know we were talking about caffeine earlier, but just to support overall hormone balance, it is important to stay well hydrated, which involves yeah. limiting intake of alcohol and pairing your caffeine with some, with some, you know, water and really hydrating mm. fluids. It's going to help with hormone balance as well. So really, really important. And when it comes, you know, all of that is very nutrition focused, but I can't say enough how like nutrition is important, but 
it's just one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And this is where, you know, it's getting outside of my scope, but just in general, you know, regular exercise, getting enough sleep and finding ways to manage your stress are also going to be really mm -hmm. important when maintaining your hormone balance. And Absolutely. I'm just, a, you know, I'm a dietitian, so I don't yeah. tell people this is how you should exercise and this is the right way to sleep. I like to stay in my lane, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's important to know that nutrition won't solve all your problems. Like all mm -hmm. of these things come together to, to help you maintain yeah. hormone balance throughout the menstrual cycle. So, um, it's a lot, but in general, you know, nutritionally, if I were to boil it down, I would just say, be well hydrated mm -hmm. and eat lots of foods that are high in fiber, which are the mm -hmm. healthy foods anyway, and make sure you're eating enough. And you'll give your body the nutrients it needs to yeah. produce the hormones it needs and to be supported throughout yeah. your menstrual cycle. Just recently, a friend of mine was telling me that because now it's summer and there is much more seasonal fruits and veggies, like she feels way more aligned with her menstrual cycle and the mood and everything while, with, while in the winter where everything comes maybe from who knows what country you buy veggies that have traveled and they're super old she doesn't feel good so I guess that's also a part like you say before like buy good food like try to buy local and possibly organic or seasonal or things like that right absolutely because you know the the less distance the food has to travel the more vitamins and nutrients it's going to have because mm -hmm. when when it's cut from you know say it's a head of lettuce when it's cut from the ground that's when it's going to have the most vitamins mm -hmm. and minerals and then as time goes on it breaks down so if you go to a place that's selling local produce that maybe it was cut two days ago mm -hmm. it's gonna have a lot more of those nutrients that support your body than something that's traveled halfway across the continent and maybe it's been a week or two since yeah. it was cut. So yeah, definitely. Again, I love that story because it's your mm -hmm. friend saying, I notice I feel better yeah. and I'm tying it to, hey, I'm eating all of this fresh yeah. local yeah. produce. And that is, it's real. That's true. What our body is trying to tell us, it's important to listen. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what would you say regarding perimenopause and menopause? Because this is also very much connected with estrogen and the hormones. And some women really like try their best. They try to eat healthy, but still they have a lot of symptoms. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. A lot. Probably, I would say about 40% of my clients come to me in this phase of life mm -hmm. because wow. what they share with me is the things that I did, the way I ate, the way I exercised my entire life is now not working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're frustrated and they don't understand why. And yeah, perimenopause and menopause, it's a whole new se section of life where mm -hmm. we have different needs. And it's very different than when we were 20 or 30 mm -hmm. yeah. years old. So it requires a different approach. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, just with the menstrual cycle, a lot of that also relates to during menopause and perimenopause, like, yeah, eating 
fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, whole grains, it's always going to be healthy for us, but there are other things that we can do during this phase of life, um, to support that on top of just, you know, the balanced diet. So Mm. the biggest issues during this time of life are muscle loss, weight gain and osteoporosis, which is the bones getting weaker. So luckily nutritionally, there are things we can do to combat all of these. So Mm. first we'll talk about the, the muscle loss, which is tied to weight gain. So, and this is, you know, for men and women, but as we get older, we tend to lose our muscle. It's much harder to keep muscle on and I say this and sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to be muscular. I don't want to look huge. I don't want to be all bulky. But whenever people say, I want to be toned, I want to look lean, that's muscle too. Like muscle mm-hmm. is super important, even for people who don't want to be, you know, lifting super heavy in the gym or looking really bulky. You yeah. don't have to, but having muscle is important for health. So it becomes really important in this time of life to be eating enough protein. And Mm. that can be hard because protein is really filling. So when we end up eating way more protein than we did before, we don't feel like eating, you know, the other things that we still enjoy, which, you know, that can be tough, but it's also a good thing Mm. because that helps with the weight gain as well. Um, If we can be really prioritizing protein in our diet, it's going to help you maintain the muscle you do have, but also help you build muscle if you're doing strength training as well. Mm. And it doesn't have to look like, you know, going into a gym and squatting on, you know, the (laughs) squat racks, you can do that, but it can be as easy as just, you know, resistance training at home using Mm. bands or just body weight stuff. Um, And again, I'm not a personal trainer, but they're connected, right? If we eat more protein and do more resistance training, muscle is going to increase or be maintained. So that's super important, eating enough protein um, for the muscle loss and and weight gain. And then for the osteoporosis Mm -hmm. piece, it becomes really important to have more calcium and vitamin D. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, even the recommendations for women in perimenopause and menopause, their recommendations for calcium goes way up. So really needing to eat more foods with calcium, um, which is, you know, dairy products like yogurt and cheese has calcium, leafy green vegetables for people who choose to not eat dairy or have a, you know, vegan diet, leafy green vegetables. And then there's a lot of foods that are fortified with calcium as well. You could also take a supplement, but making sure you get enough, um, making sure you get enough calcium is super, super important. Um, and then vitamin D as well, which is Mm -hmm. hard when we live in places that I know in Finland, the sun is not always (laughs) around and the sun gives us vitamin D. So Mm -hmm. again, vitamin D is a tough one. You know, fatty fish has a lot of vitamin D in it. So do egg yolks, but it could also be beneficial to supplement with a vitamin D supplement during this stage in life, just Mm -hmm. to make sure we're giving our bones all of, all of the nutrition it needs Mm -hmm. to stay healthy. And I know I was mentioning strength training before strength training actually also helps with 
strengthening our bones. Yeah. So that's a huge important piece in this time as well. Yeah. Um, and then, well, I, I was just, I mean, there's more, there's in, in yeah. general, just nutrition things you can do, but specifically for menopause and perimenopause, those are the things I would recommend that are like mm. very specific to that time in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what would you say, like how important is to actually build up for that time now that we are not, for example, I'm not in perimenopause and menopause, but how important is now to build up to try to have stronger bones and some muscles? What yeah, it's yeah. extremely important. Mm. Like that is one thing, because I know, you know, some people listening, maybe they're not in that phase yet. Yeah. And maybe they're thinking, oh, I don't have to worry about it yet. But yeah, the more healthy we are now, the stronger our bones are, mm -hmm. the more muscle we have now, the further we have to go when it starts declining. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, definitely, you know, while we might not need as much calcium and vitamin D and protein as we do during this phase, like it can still be something to make sure that you're having in your diet right now and also doing exercise that promotes that as well. So we're in a really good place when the perimenopause yeah. does start. Uh, that's a really good point that mm. you brought up. Yeah. And another question I have like is how, how much nutrition affects actually the mood? Because often women get diagnosed with depression but then it turns out it's just like some hormonal changes or things like that. So what nutrition, what, what role plays in, in this? Right. Good question. So I wish there was a diet or a specific food that I could mm. say, if you eat this, you'll be happy. You won't have the mood changes. Yeah. The depression yeah. won't be there. Unfortunately, we haven't found one specific food or diet that mm. correlates to that. So the best I can do in this case is, again, saying just a healthy, balanced diet mm. is going to support your body as much as possible um, mm. to not be having those huge hormonal changes. Um, but something else to keep in mind, if, if mood is fluctuating up and down a lot yeah. something that might have an impact on that is again the blood sugar and insulin because mm. what I was mentioning earlier because when we have high blood sugar we have a lot of energy and then we crash and then you know energy is low we're not feeling good and then we eat something sugary again and it goes up and down yeah. up and down so if it's mood changes that feel like that, they feel like they're tied to energy, um, eating more high fiber foods, less sugary foods is going to help that blood sugar stay a bit, bit more stable, which may help our mood stay a bit more stable. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that may help in some cases, but nutritionally, yeah, when it comes to the mood changes, it's just supporting your body as much as possible, making sure it has all the vitamins and minerals it needs, all the nutrients it needs to, you know, do what it needs to do. But I think yeah. for many people, it is just something that we have to deal with during this time, perimenopause, mm -hmm. menopause, the hormonal changes. Um, but, you know, the better your diet, then the better off you're going to be. Mm -hmm. 
That's wonderful. And by the way, you also have a wonderful podcast that I just recently started listening to. Would you like to say something about it, what you're speaking in your sure. podcast? Sure. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to. So myself and another dietitian named mm -hmm. Marie, a few years ago, we were getting tired of answering the same questions mm -hmm. of what do you think about intermittent fasting? What do you think about the paleo diet? What do you think about Atkins? What do you think about all of these different things? So we decided to make a podcast to answer those questions. So mm -hmm. when someone asks us, what do you think of intermittent fasting? We'll say, oh, listen to episode 15. I don't know which one it is, but okay. we have an episode on intermittent fasting. So the podcast is called RDs versus BS. So registered dietitians versus BS. And every episode is a different topic. So like one topic is the ketogenic diet or keto. Mm. And we talk about what are the claims of the keto diet? What does research actually show? And then at the end, we decide if the keto diet gets the BS stamp or not. <laughs> so if we decide it's BS, it gets the BS stamp. If not, we say, no, this is why this is actually a good thing in certain situations. Mm -hmm. um, and every episode is just a different topic. So yeah, we've been doing it for a while now. We're all we're at episode 87, I think. Mm -hmm. So almost any nutrition topic you're curious about, we've probably done an episode on it. But yeah, you can yeah. listen to that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or we have a website, rdsversusbs.com and all the episodes are on there as well. Yeah. And today I was listening to the one about parasites. Yeah. And then there you start speaking about the magnesium also. So would you relate the magnesium intake also with hormonal balance in some way? Yeah. So magnesium mm. is involved in almost every process in mm. the body. Mm. Super important. So if that is something that you're deficient in, having magnesium is going to help in the hormonal process. Absolutely. Um, it can be dif difficult to know if we are deficient in magnesium. Yeah. You, you could go to the doctor and they can give you a blood test and mm -hmm. tell you, but if you're feeling that things are just a little bit off and you suspect it might be magnesium, it's not going to hurt to add some foods that are rich in magnesium to your diet. So mm -hmm. typically, you know, things that come to mind, like nuts tend to have a lot yeah. of magnesium, which they also have fiber. They also have healthy fat, mm -hmm. very healthy for you. So yeah, it's not going to hurt to add in some of those foods and see how you feel. Um, would I go as far as to recommend a supplement? Probably only if you've gotten your blood checked and you mm -hmm. are low in magnesium, then I would mm -hmm. say, okay, let's try the supplement route. But Definitely incorporating more foods that are high in magnesium is going to mm. be something that could potentially help and it's not going to hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's uh, definitely something to try. Mm. That's wonderful. So if you could offer two really valuable pieces of advice to women experiencing perimenopause and transi transitioning into menopause, what recommendation would you provide? to support this time yeah so I'm gonna try to be very specific and not mm. just say eat a balanced diet you know we all mm. know that and yes doing that's gonna help <laughs> yeah. but 
two and a half things that you can do. Uh, the first would be to eat enough protein. So mm -hmm. like I was mentioning earlier, it's super important for the muscle loss, for weight gain, eating enough protein can help. So if you're curious about your exact amounts, ask a dietitian. They'll be mm. able to calculate it for you. Mm. It's different for each person. But in general, try to have protein at every meal and every snack. And protein can come in the form of meat and fish, or it can be dairy. Or if you're vegan, you could have tofu, nuts, beans. There's lots of different ways to get protein. Mm -hmm. Um, so no matter your chosen path of eating, there are ways to get enough protein, but yeah. eating more than you've eaten in the past is going to be helpful. Okay. That's number one. The second one would be focusing on eating foods with calcium because mm -hmm. your needs are higher than they've been your entire life during this time. So again, eating more foods like dairy products, leafy green vegetables, fortified foods. Sometimes they put it in orange juice and things like mm, that. It'll be yeah, clearly right. labeled, but making sure you're eating more calcium than you have in the past. And you can go the route of a calcium supplement as well. Again, too much of anything is not good, but it can definitely mm. help you boost your numbers. So eating more calcium in the form of food or supplement would be number two. And then I say two and a half here because mm. I'm not a personal trainer, but doing resistance exercise or strength mm. training is extremely important during this phase as well. So if you're interested in that, reach out to a personal trainer. They'll be able to give you some good strength exercises to do during this time. But pairing that with the eating enough protein is really going to help, help you you know, in all of the things that we were talking about, but especially gaining muscle and maintaining or losing weight strength training can help that's wonderful i'm so happy like you give so many very informative um important uh information <laughs> and uh, yeah i'm glad i yeah. know it's a lot and I, and what i was saying in the beginning too about you know it's good to have the knowledge but taking it into the doing is where yeah. it gets hard yeah. So I guess as a tangent of, you know, two valuable pieces of advice, if you could take one thing that you learned from this podcast today, just focus on one thing and try to put that into practice for one to two weeks, just one thing. And then once that's a habit, you can add one more thing. I'm a big proponent of let's add yeah. these things up slowly, but surely you don't have to go in now and start making all of these changes, like eating more calcium and magnesium and protein and strength training and hydrating. Like it's too much, yeah. but one thing at a time over time is going to add up to be a lot and it'll be a lot more sustainable. So yeah. that would be my piece of advice there as well. It's take it easy, do one thing at a time. And then when you look back, you know, six months from now, you'll realize, Oh, look at all of these things I've added on and mm. they're just habits now. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much. And of course, I will put all um, the information about your podcast and where people can reach you um, on the description of the episode. And it thank was you so much. really, really my pleasure to have you here today.
Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. It was, it was great speaking with you and yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.